Oh, thank you, Lord. Mm. Don't y'all love the Holy Spirit? Tell you, once you get a hold of Him, let's see, I was 17 years old when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Was raised Baptist, got filled with the Holy Spirit, never looked back. Just love the relationship that we have with with God's Spirit here on the earth. It's just a wonderful, miraculous thing. I mean, we um, we just are clueless sometimes. I really think so. Hey, Becca, it's good to have you home. It's good to have a lot of people home. It's great, and it's great to have some of our Hispanic family here today. They're usually meeting separate, and we love those guys so much. And I'm glad they're able to be with us today. And if you're a visitor, welcome. We're so glad you're here for Resurrection Day. It's a great time to be in church, isn't it? We celebrate the greatest day in history. So it's, it's so wonderful. But uh, Byron asked me to preach today, and I thought, well, it's Easter. I preached last Easter. <laughs> and... <laughs> So, but um, I've, I've felt like I was supposed to, even though I was going to have family in, and, you know, that makes it busy when you're a, a mom and a grandmother, but I just still felt like I was supposed to go for it, and, um, and then we ended up having a real powerful uh, time with uh, Barry and our precious Linda Jones this week. Um, she's one of our own here, and we just had a great, really, celebration of her life, and that we got to celebrate her on Good Friday going to be with the Lord. She went with the Lord to be with the Lord on Tuesday, but we celebrated on Friday, and the Lord just is good and just ask that you keep praying for Dwight. And um tell you, so many people had so many awesome things to say, not only about her, but Dwight. And, you know, the body of Christ is a beautiful thing, such a beautiful thing, and so glad to be a part of it. But I'm preaching today, and... Just really wanted to share with you some of the things, like I normally do, the things God has been speaking to me. And um, first I want to say this and give you this scripture because it is Easter. Normally the main pastor will speak on Easter because it's a big day. (laughs) But... I really did think about, well, well, Mary was the one at the tomb. She was the one who first saw Jesus alive. She was the one, I thought about this moment, where she first went to the tomb, and it was empty. And she didn't know what had happened. She thought somebody took him away. And I thought about that, that moment where she walked down the road back to the disciples wondering, hopeless and wondering where they had taken him and so she goes you know she runs back after she tells him he's not there and then she still runs back again and that's when Jesus says to her Mary she she said you know she saw him she had the eyes to see it isn't that great and it's just great to be a woman on Easter because we're the first to preach the gospel you know he's risen so it was kind of appropriate. And Marlon came up and reminded me of that this morning too. So it's really powerful. And this was the other verse I thought about where Jesus spoke to a woman when Lazarus was, had, uh, was dead. 
and Jesus had waited four days. And the women, uh, Martha runs out to Jesus as he's approaching them. And I love this, where Jesus said to Martha, she, you know, because she said to him, if you'd been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in and relies on me, who adheres to me, will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Isn't that great that I am the resurrection? Isn't that a powerful word? You know, that word brought me out of a really dark place one time because we had been through a season of really a lot of loss, and that word really brought me out of such a dark place because as a believer, this is something we take to the bank. We don't die. Isn't that amazing? We do not die. We live on. It's just a passing over. I mean, it looks like death, but not really. We live, we live on. We do not die. And that, if you know Jesus, if you're dependent on him, if your sins are being taken care of, that you believe he died on the cross, and that there is no other way that we can get to God our Father, but it's through him, and we've accepted that sacrifice, and we believe him to be our Savior, our Lord, we have, we're clinging to that fact, then we will not die. Isn't that just amazing? Because you know why? Because Jesus is the resurrection. He is the resurrection. It's not that we just get to be resurrected. We have the resurrection living within us. So we do not die. And I think that's powerful that he spoke that to a woman also. So I'm in good graces this morning. I really am in good, some good graces. So um, I'm going to put my Bible down for a second. And if I need it, I'll grab it. So one thing that the Lord has really been speaking to me lately, and Byron has really preached a lot on it, is really about living from the heavenly realm and our minds being in Christ. And I don't know, out of the blue, the Lord has been speaking to me about it. And Byron looks at me like, are you just now getting this or something? I mean, why are you? He looks at me like, you know, I mean, I've been talking about this a long time. Are you not getting what I'm preaching? And <laughs> But it's really not that. I think it's just coming from a different angle for me right now. And, um, you know, the, I think the thing I'm beginning to see that Jesus didn't come just to forgive us for our sin or just to do, you know, to have our life in him. He really, he really came to teach us to think like the kingdom of God. And I've been thinking a lot about that because how many of you can get your thinking in a really dark place? really fast. And, but Jesus really did come so that our minds would be in heaven, thinking like heaven, because he did, the kingdom is at hand, and that means it's within reach. So, you know, in heaven, there's no depression, there's no anxiety, there's no loss, there's no grief, there's no brokenness, there's no rejection, there's none of that. It's, it, and Jesus really did come to say the kingdom's at hand and you can have this. And um, I love a, a man, Graham Cook. I love, he, he really shares a lot of this. I've just listened to him a little bit, but I love the name of his, his ministry. It's called the, um, what is it? Something brilliant thinking. What is that? The, the art of brilliant thinking. 
And that word is just stuck in me because really that comes from heaven. Heaven is brilliance and brilliance alone. And I believe God wants us to have that art of brilliant thinking so that this life, we're overcomers in this life. And we know this for a fact. Psychologists, you know, psychiatrists, doctors, pastors, nurses, people, they know that you're thinking so much is tied to everything. And so, you know, it's, it's really a sad state we find ourselves in as a society that so many people really need help because their minds are so plagued. We, they either need help by something. You know, if it's, not, um, if it's not pills or drug abuse or, you know, pill, whatever, you know, or even addiction to relationships, that our society is plagued. So obviously we need that art of brilliant thinking. And that is just something the Lord has been trying to help me, myself, have some breakthrough with strongholds that have developed that he really wants to, he wants me to think like heaven. And he wants all of us to think. He wants us to have that gift that Jesus really did bring to us through resurrection life. And, um, you know, one of the ways we do that is by, it's not just, it's the way we think. We sometimes get in, caught in patterns in our life. We're not just dealing with thoughts. We actually have a pattern of thoughts that need to be broken over us. And even in the book of Revelation, um, you know, where there was so much where Jesus is addressing the churches, where he says, repent, and that means change your mind. And Byron often says that's like going to the penthouse. You go up high to see how God wants you to see it. It's not just, oh, just, and you just change your ways. It's not really that. It's really changing the way we think so that we can see how heaven thinks. That really is the art of brilliance right there in our mind. And Jesus came and died on the cross. He nailed to the cross so that we could live in the kingdom and give us that beautiful ability to, to see through resurrection eyes. And um, he even said this, even as the church in the book of Revelation was, they were in at risk of even their lampstand being removed because of the way they were thinking. Everything begins right here. The battlefield for us is in our mind and the enemy knows it. So one thought, stray thought that comes in, okay, is not as innocent as we think, okay? One stray thought from darkness has the ability to get us locked up in a room that we cannot get out of. Because with the enemy, one lie leads to a pack of lies, And that's why we always need to really keep in mind that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We've been raised. If you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And so anytime we're being pulled into a dark place, we just need to remind ourselves that we're seated with Christ and we do not have to think this way and to be very careful about where these thoughts are coming at us and implanting because there is a very real demonic strategy behind every dark thought 
that will lock us up with many dark thoughts because they're patterns that the enemy brings. But, you know, the kingdom of heaven has patterns, too. It really does. So well, it's good. So um, so one of the things that I have, I feel like the Lord's been speaking to me is breaking the stronghold of negativity. We live in a world so much that is full of negative thoughts. And one of our problems these days, and I'm just going to go right out there and say, is we just have so much coming at us. You know, how many years ago, 25 years ago, we didn't carry a computer in our back pocket. That at, at any moment, we can just sit and fill our minds up with so much. I mean, just so much. It's just constant. And I, I, will, I am of the opinion that we were not created for all of that. I think we were created for a garden. We're really not created for that much information coming at us all the time. And, and so I feel like the Lord's been really dealing with one of the fasts when we've been fasting here is I have fasted from looking, you know, at things, just, just the basics, like looking, you know, I, just to keep my mind away from all this information. And you know, it's amazing what it does for you because our world is full of negativity and it's bad for us. We are made to walk. We are made to walk from heaven to earth, not earth to heaven. And God really has paid a huge price for our minds to be free. Every time, you know, that God comes and deals with us in some pattern that we're locked in and we're able to see the truth, it is amazing the freedom and the joy that comes and so I'm just saying, I'm really here today to just say, I, I probably won't get through it a tenth of my message because I really want to say what I'm saying up front. So we'll get it, okay? I'm just here to say that we've been created to live a different way. We've been created to live with brilliance and getting our information from the Holy Spirit and getting our information from what's above, not what's on the earth. There's a lot we're going to suffer here we can't do anything about. But there's a lot we can do about our minds. We can just keep them. We can remember that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And we're to keep our affections there, not on things on the earth. You know, so um, uh, one of the areas, I just wanted to give you a couple things that God's been speaking to me about in my, the way I think. One of the things that I have asked the Lord for is to break the religious spirit off of me. And, you know, whew, it's something I think we all deal with because when man fell, really that's kind of what we fell into was self-effort, self-focus, dependent on ourselves, self-sufficiency. When man fell in the garden, see, before he fell, it was all dependent on God, everything getting his information from the heavenly realm, basically, walking in the garden with God in the cool of the day, enjoying the work of his hands, gardening, enjoying what God had put before him, the sphere of life he put in him. And it was a wonderful, glorious life. But the enemy talked us in that we lacked something, okay? We lacked some information and that God was holding something back from us when really we already had everything we needed. 
So this religious spirit that crept in and that Adam and Eve took the bite out of the apple, which is interesting. A friend of Grace has pointed out this week because she got rid of her iPhone that on that iPhone was the bite of an apple. I was like, whoa, I'm not, y'all, I'd be free. This is not coming down on anybody. I think self-control is the key to everything, you know, it's the fruit of the spirit. But, but that's what I'm saying. That information in that religious spirit, when, when man fell, basically we fell into self-focus, not God-focus. Our beautiful creator who had the source of all life, all this life flowing in that garden, we fell into this darkened place where it was about me, it was about what I could do, how I could make things happen, how it just was pride. It was, in, and now we're in a mess over it. We just stay in a mess. Listen, guys, look at the world around you. Look at the world. It doesn't matter where you live. You can live in an urban area where things are a mess. You can live in a super nice, you know, neighborhood. You know, we've been in our neighborhood six months, and I have already run in, and, and this is a pretty nice neighborhood. I've already run into so much heartache, and it's from the fall of man, simply the fall of man, the way we fell in to our way of thinking went dark on us. Our patterns went to the dark side. But you know what? We have such a gracious, loving daddy in heaven that he planned from the beginning how to get us right again. Isn't that wonderful? He did not leave us in that state. And we're celebrating that today. We, we, we've got, listen, it is the greatest day in history, the day that Jesus died on that cross. There is no doubt the greatest day when he died on Friday and he resurrected on Sunday. It is just amazing. We have no idea what he, we have, we will never get to the end of what all he's done for us because it's so deep, it's so wide, it's so vast, no mind can comprehend it, nobody can really get to the end, the magnitude of what our God in heaven has done for us. He has set it all right through the blood, through the resurrection, through the death and the burial. It has all been set right. And all we have to do is say, yes, yes. It's so good. It's so good. It's amazing. So amazing. So the thing Lately for me, the Lord has been going after this self thing again. He, I realized that I had had some sort of burden operating on me that I could not identify. And when that stuff goes to work, I'm telling you, it's just, uh, it's death. It really is death. Anytime that religion stuff gets on his death. In fact, Matthew 23, when Jesus is going after the Pharisees and the religious crowd, he says this to them that you are blind guides. You shut off the kingdom. You don't go in yourself, and you're shutting out the kingdom for anybody else to come in. And so anytime that we get into this thing where it's self-effort, and we're trying to make things work, and we're burdened, and we're trying to make it all work ourselves, it's just only producing death in us. 
And Jesus went after that. Two-thirds of his ministry was going after this thing called the religious spirit. That's all it is. It's pride. It's based on pride. It's based on what man accomplishes, and it is wicked. It's from the wicked one, and we all really need to be going after getting that broken off of us because it only, only all the fruit that comes from it is death. Y'all good? Are y'all good? <laughs> if you don't know, Byron, my husband says that all the time. So I wanted to just point that I thought this was good um, to uh, the spirit of Elijah. We could actually put up, would you just go ahead and put up the second Kings verse? I gave them a lot of verses. I didn't know which I would use, but. Byron's been preaching on Elijah and the spirit of Elijah, and I want to point out the fact that the spirit of Elijah, the reason, you know, in the last days, the spirit of Elijah would come and prepare the way of the Lord. It's really why he's preached on it so much, you know, um, and Byron's been preaching on Elijah a lot, and this is the one thing I saw is the first thing that happened, not the first, but one of the things that happened um, as Byron preached last week, when Elisha, who had been his follower, he'd followed him from for you know he'd followed him, and he asked for his mantle. He asked for the double portion of his mantle when he passed, because all the prophets in Second Kings were saying, "The Lord's going to take Eli- he's going to take Elijah. He's going to take Elijah. He's going to take Elijah." And, fi- and Elijah knew he was going to be taken up in that whirlwind. But he said what Elisha wanted one thing. He wanted a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. And so he gets that. When Elijah's taken up, he gets that. He gets it. And then, this is so cool, he begins to operate in that spirit of Elijah. And the double portion, in fact, is said he did exactly double the miracles that Elijah did. But one of the first things, it wasn't the first, he parted the Jordan was the first. But the next thing he did is he was approaching the city. We'll read this. It says, then the men of the city said to Elisha, please notice, the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground barren. And he said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water and cast in the salt there and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From it there should be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day, according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. And so here's what I was feeling about that verse, is I believe when the spirit of Elijah now that is operating on Elisha, it's a double portion. And then it went on into the New Testament with John the Baptist. That spirit of Elijah was resting on John the Baptist, which was preparing the way of the Lord, which was really preparing for the waters to be healed. All the barrenness would be broken. And we're not just, we're talking about barrenness of soul, Bare, we're talking about all barrenness, barrenness of the ability to produce. 
And I felt like what the Lord was showing me in that is this thing where we stay locked in self-effort in a religious spirit that there's no fruit in it. It doesn't bear. And that that's really the thing, if we want to say anything about resurrection power. Because really, here's the truth. Jesus is the double. He's the double anointing, and he is the resurrection. That he has come so that our minds can be healed and that we can walk with our minds in the heavenly realm, and we, it can break the barrenness. Because here's what's happened with us, I believe, with a religious spirit. And we have given the world rules about God and not God himself. And it's, it's just like we default to that over and over. If you do this, this, and this, then you can attain to God. And that is not the gospel. It's totally really opposite. We have to get a hold of God before we can start walking in any kind of victory. And he's done it through the way he made on the cross and outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the gift of grace. And so I just want to say today that God wants to heal our minds. He wants to pour salt in and heal our minds from these patterns that we find ourselves in of negativity he, he wants to break that off of us so that we can have freedom in our minds. Listen, do y'all, would you, do, if y'all, I mean, every time I, I'm going to tell you, I've walked through several major seasons where God was shifting my mind out of old thought patterns and bringing in the new ones. In every single time, I'll tell you, there's stone markers for me. I'll never be the same. And until we open up and realize that we're caught in some traps here and that we need to get free, I want to plug in today for the ministry of Sozo. Jesus, when he brought salvation, he was saved. He had salvation where it is saved, healed, and delivered. Okay? And I tell you, there's nothing like getting delivered from a stronghold in your mind. And recently, I got delivered from a thought that I had where I thought I had to carry something. And I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you what it was. I thought I had to carry revival. You know, we've had such wonderful outpourings of the Holy Spirit here. Wonderful. I mean, never be the same. I think the history, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this church is our history. But there is something that, see, religion and wrong thoughts get in every time. I thought I had to carry that somehow and push forward on that, but, and it was a wrong thought. And with that thought came a lot of burden, a lot of burden. And finally the Lord revealed it to me. And I'm going to tell you, it's just like, man, that thing pops off of you. You're like a new person. It's like you get saved again. Oh, wait a minute. And you know what the Lord said to me? Becky, you will never lose what you got in revival. It's yours. It's like you've been operating in fear or something. But it's, you know, that's all up to God. You can't make something happen or not make it happen. And it's like that with everything in our life. Even we're praying for someone to get saved. You cannot make that happen. That can become a burden that we're carrying. Like we've got to make that happen. You know, with the, you know, even with church, it's his church. We can't walk in burdens with our family. We can't take those burdens like there's something that we can do to make that stuff happen 
happen. All of that are false yokes and false burdens that we need to get free of and that God wants to heal. He wants to put the salt in that water and break the barrenness, barrenness that it's creating because it only stops the flow of heaven in our minds. And God wants us to be able to see, but all of those things will stop the flow of seeing from heaven's perspective. And when we can begin to see that these undue burdens, these false jokes, these false things that we carry and think we've got to do something to make this happen. We've got to act like this. We've got to talk like this. We've got to do certain things to get God to move. It's not true. God is on the throne. We're not on the throne. And he has paid a huge price for us to not walk in burden for any ministry, for any church, any family minister, ministry that we're trying to do, any of that. God just wants us to live out and enjoy Him and let our lives be a demonstration of His grace and let Him do the rest. Mm. Amen. Woo! One of the things he, I, I love this too, is that, you know, it's what I said about the religious mind. This is what um, the Amplified says, is it shuts off the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that something? It shuts it off. How many times have we shut off the flow of heaven to the world around us? Because we were stuck in some mind pattern that we had to act a certain way or be a certain way. How many times? Instead of just being. Oh, praise the Lord. Or, you know, I'm just, I'm getting real here. I, this is another thing about Pharisees, actors on the stage of life. Jesus called them pretenders. Whitewashed on the outside, but tombs, death on the inside. And see, my dream here for River Life is that when people come into this atmosphere, that they don't feel all that, that they just feel the flow, the life of the Holy Spirit because he's the one who does it. People get mad at us because we don't preach sin and go after, you know, hell and brimstone, and, and that's all true. But our, we would love to see people know the love of God, and that's what draws them in, not all of that other stuff. And, and creating a place where when people go out in the world, that they take the love of God with them. They take the grace of God with them. They take the acceptance and the mercy of God with them. Because I believe that's because all this other stuff is what it says. It shuts the kingdom out. It shuts it out. When we can't just be around people and, not, and just be normal, instead of trying, feeling like we got to act a certain way to get them in the kingdom, that's just rubbish. It really is. It's not even true. It's not authentic. It's not real. It's not real. It's just not. Mercy on us, God, right? We're all guilty. I want to hear an amen on that because... The truth will set you free, right? The truth will set you free. So it's good. I did, there was something I, I just a few scriptures, because I'm, I'm going to quit at 12 because I want y'all to go enjoy your family. And um, 
Have fun today. I want to give you this scripture, Romans 5.10. If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, it is much more certain now that we are reconciled, that we shall be daily delivered through his resurrection life. The thing I like about that verse, because a lot of people understand when we come to know Christ, that we can lay our burden of sin down, okay, accept the sacrifice of forgiveness, what he's done on the cross, okay? But somehow after that, we've got to go to work to act right and be right. And the reason I love this verse, because what does it say? What's that word in there? Daily. It's daily. His salvation is daily, okay? It is a daily reconciliation to God. And I, through his resurrection life, I love that verse. Um, I, I just love it. And then I'm going to give you another one, okay? Romans 3.24. All are justified and I love this, qualified, okay, by his grace. Another word for justified is made righteous. They're, they have the same, they have the very same root in them, by his grace, by his unmerited favor and mercy. And it's through the redemption which is provided in Christ Jesus. All. Can you say all? We're sitting in here today, all. You know, we're, we've been given something. We've been made righteous. We've been given, we, so... Here's the, the thing about our minds and keeping it in the head, because this is another roadblock. When we're doing this striving and trying, instead of operating from a place that we already, we're, we're already there, the power is in recognizing our position that we're already there. There is no power in trying to get to something that you already have. And that's the thing that's reaping death in us. The life comes from knowing that we already are justified. We're already made righteous. We've already been given this by his grace. We, the only one thing that God's asking is the faith to believe it. Let me give you another verse on that. Romans 3.28. I didn't put that up, but I'm going to read it. And I love this because Paul says it's that for we hold. He's saying we hold this. That a man is justified, qualified, made righteous, and upright by faith, okay? Apart from good deeds. Isn't that good? I love that. And then this is another one of my favorites. I'm just throwing out some of my favorites this morning because it's Easter, okay? Romans 5.2. It's Resurrection Day. This is... You know what? I'm going to tell you something about the grace of God in this message, okay? We forget. Because we live in a world that gives us other information all the time. It's either the negativity of the world or it's the religiosity of the church. And this thing gets us all the time, so we need to be reminded of the grace of God. 
in our lives, the operation of the grace of God in our life. It's my favorite subject. Every time I start studying it, I get really stirred up by the Holy Spirit again. For the Holy Spirit loves this message. You know why? Because it's about Him. It's about that indwelling power that God has put in us, the ability. You know, the reason it is, is people don't really understand the, the connection of grace and the Holy Spirit. Well, if it's unmerited favor, it's not about anything that I do, okay? It gets me out of the equation and puts the Holy Spirit into the equation where he lives his life through me. And it's so wonderful because every time we get into these burden spots and these places, we can stop and say, oh, I can't do this. This is not about me. I can lay it down. I can let go of this and let you be God. Oh, how wonderful. I can just let you be God in me. And you know what? People love God. They don't know it, but they love him. Because when they see him, when they can see him, they love him. They don't love us all the time, but they love him. Because he is, he is love. Mm. So good. Yes. So I want to tell you the difference between Protestants and other faiths. Other, I won't name any, okay? But, cause, but it is important that most believe that justification, the act of being made righteous, is a singular act in which God declares an unrighteous individual to be righteous. It's an act made possible because Christ was legally made sin on the cross. Okay? And it's, it's just... Um, where is, here's the dividing line, many others believe that there was an initial justification in which their view occurs at baptism and permanent justification is accomplished after a lifetime of striving to do God's will and avoiding really bad sin. So you see what I'm talking about, this religious thing that comes in? And that's really all I'm trying to address today is that God, Jesus came to set us free. He came to teach us to think like heaven. And he paid a really big price so that our minds could be free and that we could live in the heavenly realm, that we could be his. We could have that, you know, the Holy Spirit brings that spirit of adoption where we, we know that we're sons and daughters and everything really comes out of that, you know, and I'm going to, Read one more scripture, then I'm done, okay? Because I, I could, I'll, I'll preach this to you later, but some of the other. One other thing God's been going after me is about the Greek Hellenistic mindset, which is logic, okay? And I've, I've read the difference between an Eastern mindset, which would be more Hebrew. Um, one thing I loved about reading some of the, I'm looking at Dean because he's Jewish and there's a lot of Jewish people, but these are patterns of the way we think, okay, that need to be broken. 
you know, not everybody has it all right. But one thing I've realized, I've taken tests, and they come up and tell me I'm, all, I'm, I'm like 80%, 90% logical. And I thought, wow. But I realized I am. I try to process through logic. A Hebrew mindset celebrates mystery. Okay? And I'm going to tell you what. The grace of God is a mysterious thing. It's a mysterious thing. And living from the heavenly realm is mystery. You know, the Greek mindset has to have everything lined up and logical and explained. And if you can't explain it, it's not real. But the Hebrew mindset says, hey, mystery's good because God's way bigger than our minds. So we celebrate this mystery. We revel in mystery. And I love this verse, Colossians 1, 25 through 26. Of which Paul's talking about, of this, talking about this gospel, which Paul's gospel is the gospel of grace. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden in this great from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. Is that it? Oh, I didn't give it all yet. The rest of it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that amazing? Is this not just a wonderful mystery? It's just so good. So good that we, you know, we can cling to the cross today. Um, Jeremiah thirteen eleven. I love there was a prophetic, there was a prophetic um, view of this where Jesus, I mean, God said he put a girdle on Israel. The whole house of Israel put a girdle that they would cling to him. And so what I'm just telling you today, there is freedom in our minds. And it's through the cross, it's through the uh, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ where he laid it all upon himself. We can live in freedom. Our minds can be free. They can be really free. But we just have to recognize those dark times when they're coming and deal with them. And we can know also... That we don't, you know, that we have a really good God that loves us so much that he would pay a big bright price for us. For our, You know what? Because if our minds aren't free, we're not free. Is that right? If our minds are not free, we're not free. And I know every time we get more layers of freedom, we get, I get hungry for more. It makes me want to go after things. It really does. And to live from that place where we can live from the heavenly realm and we can see. So thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I think that was for you, Becky. I'm sorry. I want want to read something out of Chronicles um, because this just goes so along with what Becky was saying and the key to how you free your mind. And I don't know about you, when I read in Kings and in Chronicles, and I read about that there was an evil king who did not obey the Lord, it just, it grieves me. I mean, I really get sad. And then I read about a king who did right in the sight of the Lord. It makes me happy. It really does. So I was reading about Asa. Asa would be King David's great-great-grandson. And it talked about, about him that he did right in the sight of the Lord. 
and he tore down all the groves and all the high places and all the incense. He, he, he got rid of all the bad, but then he commanded the people to obey the commandments of the Lord their God, and there was peace in the land. But this is real key. There was peace in the land, and he had been given rest in the land, and yet this is what he does as a result of the peace in the land, okay? It says, let me go back to it there. Because we're already, uh, therefore, Judah said, therefore, as a result of the rest in the land, therefore, Judah said, let us build these cities. Let us make walls around them, towers, gates, bars, while the land is before us, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Asia had an army of three, Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears. 300,000. And from Benjamin, 280,000 men who carried shields and brought and drew bows. All of these were mighty men of valor. So that's sort of like doing what you can do, preparing in your own strength. But, but a savings account, okay? But then watch what happened when Ethiopia came against King Asa. And Asa cried out to the Lord, his God. I love how he says that, his God. We, we have our own God. We can cry out to the Lord, our God. And he said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help. And here's the key. Whether with many or with those who have no power. O oh Lord our God, we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude. O oh Lord, you are God. Do not let man prevail against you. He didn't say do not let man prevail against us. He said do not let man prevail against you. So what Becky was saying was not relying on our own strengths, not fighting these battles ourselves. That, that's where we prepared and we had the army, but when the battle came to us, we didn't have any hope, any trust, any faith, or any reliance on that army of almost 600,000 men. 100% of our trust was in the Lord to deliver us from that enemy. That's how you free your mind. When you don't put any of your trust in anything that you have, even the things that God has given to you, you just put 100% your trust in the Lord, your God. So can we have the ministry team come up and can we stand? And, and I felt this strong in my heart this morning that, that we were to just give our supplications to the God who liveth forevermore, making intercession. So for those that have battles they're fighting, for those whose mind... For those of you who could not go through the whole church service without picking up your iPhone, and I'm being serious, it, 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 that stupid phone has got so much power over us. For those of you that could not, not go on Facebook, who could not text a friend who wasn't here about something that wasn't happening in this church service, okay? For those of you who just picked it up, put it down, and then picked it back up again, I'm serious. We need deliverance from that thing. We really do. I need it. And I know others in the room that need it. <laughs> so for those of you who want deliverance from it, because there, you are like Planet Fitness, you are in a no, uh, judgment-free zone here, but we could all benefit from not being tied to something. You know, Teddy Roosevelt said this once. He was talking about sports. He said, 
like any good servant, it makes a terrible master. Is your social media and your electronic devices your servant or your master? Or is there anything else in your life, in your world, that should be your servant but is your master? I believe the Lord wants us to free free us of those things this morning. Amen? And for everybody else, have a happy resurrection. Jesus' blood and righteousness.